Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to podcast number 28, in which we talk about the magical world of selling your portraits in person. So for my photographer friends, this is busy season and you might be like, oh dear God, I'm never doing this again. Not ever, not ever, not ever, not ever. Good. Good. Now we're learning. So let's talk all about uh, exactly how to sell your portraits in person with a really small budget, a really small time frame, and you can do this starting next week with clients if you'd like. I would suggest not waiting until next month or next year, but putting it on the calendar, hopping in and doing it. All of the materials referenced are available at saleswithoutshame.com. The program itself that I talk about briefly is saleswithoutshame.com slash program. And promo code, that's what she said, takes $200 off. So that's what she said. Otherwise, enjoy this. This is everything I know about selling your portraits in person, plus lots of question and answer uh, in a previously recorded manner. And if you have any questions for me, I'm at brandcamponline at gmail.com. Enjoy, learn, love it. Can't wait to hear what you think of this one. And uh, photographers, go forth and sell the shit out of your work. I can't wait to see what this does for you. Again, saleswithoutshame.com for the free sample and saleswithoutshame.com slash program with promo code that's what she said. Takes 200 bucks off. Bye. Hey, hey, party people. This is Kristen Kelp from braincampblog.com, and you are here to listen to Drowning in Lies, the top five sales myths you've been forced to believe. Uh, now, Hanani, uh, the director of Other for Brand Camp, is on the line, and I'm going to ask if she can hear me. Hanani, can yes, you hear can. me? Are we all good? Yes, I can. I can okay. hear you. We're all good. Excellent. Then I'm going to re-mute you and hit it. Uh, so you should know uh, that there are well over a 1,000 people uh, signed up for this call. And that is not to brag. That is to um, let you know that um, that kind of makes me freak out a little. And so I am uh, utterly terrified at this very moment. But I want to say uh, thank you for coming. And I really appreciate uh, you hanging out to spend uh, about 90 minutes with me. That's the goal. Um, and I'm going to give you every possible second of value that I can and just get over my, my big, giant fear. Um, a couple of housekeeping bits for our time together. 
uh, I'm going to ask that you keep an open mind and you're really focused on what's being said. Um, I know it's easy to be browsing the Internet and have 12 tabs open while you're texting and you're emailing, um, but for me to be able to reveal anything new or nifty or earth-shattering to you, you have to be present to hear it. Um, so if you could pretty please just get your distractions out of the way so we can jam together, that way you're not wasting your time um, so that you're actually, you know, here. I, I would love to have you here. And I'm imagining you all there, even though I can't see you. And it's scary. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, I want to talk a little bit about guiding principles. Now, I know you did not sign up to hear guiding principles, um, but these beliefs are built so deep into the foundation of, uh, of who I am and where I'm coming from that I just have to say them out loud. So they pretty much inform everything else I say, and they inform everything I believe about sales and the sales process and about everything that we're going to cover, okay? So first, there are three of them. So the first one is that you are enough. So lots of fear that's based in sales is based on like, well, what if I don't have the right gadget or thingamabob or who's the what's it and what software do you recommend and what size and what samples and all that stuff. And I just want to say that you are enough, that my premise is that your expertise and guidance is more than enough to help your clients figure out what they want and then to help them create it. So I know you're scared of selling in person, and I know you feel like if you just had a giant TV screen or a laptop or a projector or ProSelect or a different software or a super-duper app or a fancy slideshow that you would be able to sell so much better. That might be the case, that might not, but I want you to know that you are enough, that just by showing up to be with your clients and help them make a decision, you are well on the way to selling in person successfully. I promise you that. The second guiding principle is that you have enough. Um, this can be hard to believe, I know, because there's always something new and shiny coming down the pike. I know. But I promise that your clients are not going to show up to a sales session because they heard about your killer sample collection and they just can't wait to see your canvases or your eight new sales apps, and there's probably thousands of sales apps that I'm just unaware of. That's not why they're coming. They're coming to see their images that you've created, and they're going to show up um, with an open mind, and they're going to need a little bit of guidance that you're going to be happy to give them. If, for example, I commission a cooking lesson with Emeril Lagasse, I don't need him to show up with his fancy gear and his super-duper specialty pans and his cheese grating app and his brand-new lasagna flipper tool to show me how to make lasagna. He just has to have his ingredients, and he has to like say bam a lot. I mean, that's pretty much it. He doesn't need fancy equipment. And I trust that if I asked Emerald to show up to make lasagna around a campfire, he would, and he had no tools, he would still be able to use what we had at the campfire site to make lasagna happen. It would still be delicious because he's an expert, right? So I want you, the photography expert, to use the skills at your disposal to make a sales session happen, even if you have zero apps, no iPad, no slideshow, no laptop. No, you don't need it because my fundamental belief is that you have enough, okay? 
And the last one, oh, my, you didn't like that one at all because you want the stuff. I know. But you don't need it, I promise. My fun, last fundamental belief here before we get started is that you are in charge. Uh, I like to say you are the boss of you. Hanani thinks this is super profound. I don't think it is because it's just so obvious to me. Like, you're the boss of you. So if you disagree with something that I say and you just don't like it, like, that's okay. You're in charge. You're the boss of you. And if you um, would like to take what I tell you and tweak it for your business because it's not quite right, please tweak away. You're in charge. You're the boss of you. The same thing applies as you start to do sales sessions is that if you get to your sales session, it's just not going as planned. And it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, your feathers are ruffled or that one comment that that client said. And I want you to just get back to the place where you're listening to your client. You're doing your best to deliver on what they want without sacrificing any of your business principles in the process because you are in charge. So it's a simple decision that perhaps the session is not going as you would like. That's okay. You're in charge, and you bring it back to a place where it's comfortable for both of you. I know it's really hard to believe all of this because you don't feel like you know what you're doing. And it's hard to believe you're in charge if you don't know what you're doing, especially your first time selling. But you're in charge. I promise that you're in charge. And you can always have it within your power to bring that back to the place where you're in charge. Now, if we put all of those together, it's like a little sales mantra. So freebie number one, super duper alert. This is your sales mantra. Um, I'm going to say it with you. You are enough. You have enough. You are in charge. The same thing can apply that just before you go into a sales session, super simple, get you focused. I am enough. I have enough. I am in charge. And kind of wash away any of those other feelings. So the next thing I want you to do, because I know that you're all like, I want to do in-person sales, but I'm scared. Like, dude, okay, you can be scared. I'm scared to be on this call. I'm here. We're cool. I want you to figure out exactly how much it's costing you to not be doing sales in person. And this is super simple, super simple exercise. Ready? I want you to write down your average sale. And if you don't have a piece of paper, I just want you to think about it in your mind. And if you go to a place where you're like, Kristen, I don't even know what my average sale is, that's okay. I just want you to think about the last three sales that you made. And we'll call those your average sale. You have a good idea. You know if your average sale is in the $200 or $20,000 range. Come on now. So whatever it is, think think of that number. Hold it in your mind. And then I want you to double it. That number, that doubled number, is how much it costs you every single time you don't do a sales session in person. It is my fundamental belief that in-person selling will double to triple, and if you're on the lower end, quadruple, your sales without breaking a sweat. And all you have to do, because you are enough and you have enough, is show up. There are some super simple tricks that you can learn. I'm going to show them to you. But if every single time you post an online gallery instead of showing up, you're losing that much money, however much it is, that's a good reason to do in-person sales. Okay, now there is one caveat to that doubling or tripling your sales, and that is that if the CD is what you typically and always sell, there's, there's a tweak that should be made. Um, in order to sell in person. Here's the thing. 
if you price your CD for $100, you will sell it online for $100. You will sell it in person for $100. If you sell it in a spa spa or at the bar, in the train or on a car, Sam I am, you will still sell it for $100 because the CD caps for sale. So if you're in a place where you're selling your, your CD for $100 or kind of in that range, in-person sales will not double or triple your sales. I want to be very clear about that because the CD will cap your sale. So in-person selling will double to triple your sales without breaking a sweat. Yes, I absolutely believe that. And I've given you the caveat, which is if your CD is priced um, significantly lower than the other products that you offer or you don't offer any other products. Okay. Whew. That was a lot, right? That was all the kind of foundation work that you have to do before you're ready to hear the super-duper sales stuff. Okay. So you showed up for Drowning in Lies, the top five sales lies. Myths, sales myths you've been forced to believe. I just got my own title wrong. God. Okay. So lie number one is that selling in person requires fancy software. And this is a doozy. And the reality is, Selling in person requires a few new skills and a dose of confidence, okay? Now, I am the first to admit, I can hear you thinking it, that I used to think there was only one way to sell portraits, and that was in person with software. That's because I learned to sell with software. We would literally shoot in the studio, move to the sales room, upload the CS card, view with the client, with the software, there was no editing out of blinks or strobe misfires or bloopers, and we would use software to choose right then and there. Okay, so I came by this belief honestly, and I will say that selling with software is totally effective, okay? But it is not in any way, shape, or form required, because selling with software also tends to be totally expensive. Um, I did a quick little number crunching here. My favorite portrait selection software, which is ProSelect, costs $418. Nifty software templates that I totally think are cool that can mix and match and make wall galleries happen ring in at $150. And a projector comes in at around $899 plus no tax, tip, shipping, all that good stuff. So those total up to $1,467. And that is a big barrier to entry if you're like, I don't even know if I like this. I don't know what I'm doing when I get there, and you want me to drop $1,467 to try something out? That's scary. So I used my sales experience, which let me tell you about here. Uh, I sold at the Moto Photo, which kind I owned, uh, which is similar to, I would say it's similar to a Sears-level um, chain. So I used to sell between three and ten times a day. I have never counted up how many portrait sessions, how many portrait sales sessions I did, but that's where I got the bulk of my selling experience. And then when that studio closed, we opened up Essential Imagery, and that was much, 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 much higher end. So I have worked lower end. I have worked higher end. I have done this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Okay. So I use my sales experience and my teaching skills, because I do got my degree in that. Mm to make up a super simple sales system that will allow you to start selling portraits in person, even if you have 20 bucks or less in your bank account. There is no judgment there about how much money you have in your bank account. 
I just don't want you to have to feel like there's so much invested in this. Like, oh my God, I'm going to lose $1,500 if I mess this up. Okay. I want you to. I want your investment in sales to be minimal, to be less scary. Okay. So for the whole rest of the call, while I'm all talking at you, uh, I'm going to tell you how to prepare for the sales session, how to sort the images your clients can't live without from all the rest in about 15 minutes, and then how to present your portrait collections, your big ticket items and your gift prints to your clients. I'm going to walk you through this whole sales process so that if you want, you can go out and give in-person sales a try tomorrow. Okay? Because we're on a limited time frame, you're going to have lots of questions. I can't possibly teach you everything I know about sales in 45 or 50 minutes, but I can get you started and then answer the questions from the peeps who are listening, and we'll be a great deal further along than we were when we started. Okay? So let's let's hit it. Okay. So lie number two is that selling online meets a client's needs best. And the reality, in my view, in-person portrait sales meet your client's needs best. Here's why. Online ordering is fast, it's convenient, and sometimes it's necessary, but it does not serve the client best. The help of an expert to place an order simply isn't available in an online gallery. So the decision to put off decision-making is a common one. When faced with more options or with too many options, clients will just choose the more time option whenever possible. And you know this to be true. You know that your clients fight against those timelines. But if you give them 72 hours at hour 71 and a half, they're going to want more time. They can't decide. They're overwhelmed. And it's so much easier to be there to guide them. So my vision for a sales session is to forget about the sales and just paint a canvas of possibilities for your clients and then help them choose the possibility they would like to make into a reality. And whether that possibility that they choose to bring to life costs $200 or $20,000 is irrelevant because meeting a client's needs is your first priority. The money is great, sure. But your work becomes more meaningful when you focus on meeting clients' needs first, money second. Let me repeat. Your work becomes more meaningful when you focus on meeting clients' needs first, money second. So my whole sales philosophy is to just forget about the sales and listen. That's it. That's all. Nothing sleazy. Here's how you do it. Line number three is that you need lots of samples, templates, and software to sell in person. The reality is that you need 20 bucks, a little prep work, and an hour with your client. I don't want you to underestimate your ability to come up with brilliant op options without fancy bits and pieces. I think I said that wrong. Don't underestimate your ability to come up with brilliant options without fancy bits and pieces. You're perfectly capable of generating great ideas great feedback without super-duper complicated stuff, okay? So here's exactly what you need to prepare for your ordering session. Okay, number one, a pen or a pencil. You got that. You got this. Okay. Number two is a, a well-designed printed copy of your price list. Even if it's not well-designed, if it's just printed, that's okay too. The client's going to see it, so I don't want it to just be scribbles. That's all. Uh, number three is an order form. I'm sure that you have one. 
and an order note sheet, which can literally just be a scrap of paper that you're taking notes on as the client goes through the order. No biggie. Uh, you're going to need latte money. So if you're meeting at a client's house, I want you to stop on the way there to get treats. And if you are meeting at Starbucks, then I want you to pay for your client's lattes. It's a sales session. Please don't make your clients pay for their own lattes. That's just silly. And then you're going to need a four by six printed proof of each session image you're presenting. We're going to talk way more about that later. You're going to need your trusty sample bag. Okay. Now, what is in your sample bag? Whatever you happen to have is a great start. So I want you to take a quick inventory after the call, dig through your basement, storage unit, office area, your studio if you have one, and dig some things out. Here's what you're looking for. I want you to look for a 4 by 6 print sample. I, I know that you don't actually want to sell 4 by 6s but I want you to have a, a reference point so that the client know exactly what a 4 by 6 looks like. The same goes for a 5 by 7 print and an 8 by 10 print. We just want them to see what they actually look like. Because in a client's mind, a 5 by 7 could be huge, and then they see it, and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to need an 8 by 10. It's just to give them a size reference. You're going to want a CD or DVD case sample. So if you, however you sell your CD or DVD or digital negatives or those bits and pieces, I want you to have that. You're going to want a wall print sample, a, an album sample of some kind if you sell them, a canvas sample of some kind if you sell them, uh, card sample, birth announcements, holiday cards, all that good stuff. If you sell those, grab a sample. And any type of accordion or small albums are also great. So before you add all of those to your list, I want to reiterate that whatever you have is fine. I don't want to inspire sample envy or delay the start of your sales session. So we're going to make whatever you have work for you. End of story. Okay. Again, you will need a pen or pencil, a copy of your price list, an order form, an order note sheet, some latte money, four by six printed proofs of your session images, and your trusty sample bag. I just told you it went into your trusty sample bag. Whatever you happen to have, it's great. Okay? Super simple. Nothing crazy expensive, and you didn't have to download a single app. Boom. Okay. So here's how we're going to prepare for this bad boy. We're going to order a single 4 by 6 inch print of each session image before our sales appointment takes place. Now you'll notice that I call it a sales appointment, a sales session. Some genius that I talked to recently called it a sales party, which I love. An ordering appointment, an ordering session, whatever it is, it, has, it makes no difference. I will use the names interchangeably. It's just the time that your clients show up and order stuff. Okay? So we're ordering our sessions or session images as 4x6s, like literally just 4x6s, thrifty proofing from your pro lab, 25 cents a piece, nothing fancy. So for a portrait session, that means printing 15 to 35 images tops. So I know that you want to argue that your brilliance just cannot be contained in 15 to 35 images. I know, I know. But I want you to think of Vogue magazine, and if you have a chance, at some point later, grab a copy and count the number of images in the latest Annie Leibovitz spread. That was hours of prep work and hundreds of thousands of dollars in production value, and it resulted in less than 10 images. So we have less than 10 images from a few hours with Johnny Depp, 
and I'm suggesting 15 to 35 images from an hour with a newborn. You can do it. Believe it or not, limiting your client's choices will result in higher sales. Here's how. If you're sitting in front of me right now, I'm picturing you. You're looking good. And I ask you to choose your favorite shirt, this red one or this green one, which is your favorite. You will have an opinion and you will choose almost instantaneously. Oh, yeah, sure, the red one, fine. If, however, we get ourselves on a train and we go to Macy's on 34th Street in New York City and I'm like, choose your favorite shirt, you're going to have to explore seven stories of options. You're probably going to need a snack at the snack bar. You're going to be all like, I don't know, so sequence of cashmere, sequence of cashmere, which one of my favorite? Oh, my God, you're going to freak out. And then at some point, you're going to resent me for having brought you there, and you're going to look at me and say, I just don't know. That I just don't know feeling is exactly how your clients feel when they're presented with too many options. Given a few great options, red shirt or green shirt, your mind is perfectly happy to choose one. But given endless variety, like seven stories of Macy's, your mind has increasing difficulty making a decision. It's up to you, the professional, to narrow the choices on behalf of your clients. Okay? So that's the, the whole mindset between choosing 15 to 35 is that you are the professional and you are curating the images so that only the best of the best are being seen by the client. So you're eliminating their decision-making burden. Because the more decisions they have to make about the images, the less decision-making power they will have to choose products from your company. Okay? Okay. So you have your 4 by 6s printed. You have all your goodies and your sample bag, your pen, your paper, your order form. You are set. Okay? Here's how we're going to sort the images your clients can't live without from all the rest in under 15 minutes. It is super simple. So you're going to get to, in my mind, this, which is taking place at a Starbucks, okay? So you're going to get there. You're going to, you know, let me take your coat. How have you been? I'm so excited to show you these. I love vanilla lattes, too. And then you're going to get down to business. So this is the first time your client is seeing all her images, okay? Ooh. Yeah, that's a, that's a fundamental thing. This is the first time. They might have seen some blog previews or one or two were posted on Facebook, but the whole session is not revealed until right now. Here's why. They're new and they're shiny and they're lovely, and the mother-in-law hasn't had a chance to say anything kind of negative about anything, and coworkers have not weighed in about whether image 7 or image 8 is better. They're getting gut reactions, and those gut reactions are crucial, okay? So you're going to explain to your client that you're going to use gut reactions to sort these, this stack of 4 by 6 prints into two piles, love and like. Okay? We're just going to assume that they like all of them because their family members are in them. So we're, we're not going to distinguish between like and don't like. We're going to distinguish between love and like. So you're going to sort through quickly using those initial reactions to get an image into one pile or the other within just a few seconds. If a client has to think about whether she loves an image or not, she doesn't. So our goal is to sort through all those images are in 15 minutes or less. Quick decisions are better than prolonged ones because they allow your gut client's gut reaction to be the strongest. So if Hanani is sitting in front of me and I have my 35 images and I'm going to sell something to her by virtue of showing her the images, 
I'm just going to say, okay, great, honey. We're going to do, we're just going to sort these into like and love. Okay, so you just tell me which pile it should go into, and there's no judgment whatsoever. I will not be offended if there are more loves than likes or likes than love. This is about you. Okay, because clients often feel like, oh, I'll just put it in the love pile so you don't feel bad, and that's not the purpose here. Okay, so I'm holding them up like a deck, like flashcards. Hold it up, like or love. Okay, great, that's a like. Hold it up, like or love. That's a love. It's super simple, and it's super fast, and your client will resist it being super fast, That is when you have to remember that you're in charge, and because you're in charge, make it happen, okay? If your client is in super-duper-duper love with a particular image or set of images, I want you to record the image number in your order note, which is, remember, just this piece of scrap paper, write it down, okay? And that way, those are the first images that you're going to bust out when you want to populate an album or come up with a gallery idea, Those are the first things that you want to print, like all ginormous, or that you want to order multiples of for gift prints. Like, I need to order seven Christmas cards prints to go with with gifts for my family. Okay, great. You love number eight more than all the rest when we went through them. So number eight would be a great candidate for ordering seven five-by-sevens of, right? It just keeps tabs on it and reminds the client of what they love. It just reinforces what their initial reactions were, okay? So when you've gone through all the images, I want you to sweep that like pile off to a separate place. This is literally out of sight, out of mind, and we're going to focus on the love pile from here on out, okay? So armed with your love pile, you are ready to sell your client a portrait collection, which is the subject of my next page of notes. Okay, so we're reviewing. We have a like and a love pile. We know exactly which images our client prefers from her portrait session, and we're now going to present collection options. Okay? I don't know what your collections look like, so I'm making no judgments here. All I'm assuming is that you have collections or packages of some kind. So I want you to tell your client about the prints and the products that are included in each collection, so this is when your pretty price list comes out, and you just explain, this is this, this is how much it costs, this is this, this is how much it costs, no problem, okay? This is when you're going to share any of your relevant samples to help your client visualize her choices. So if your collections include a session album, I want you to get it out and explain what that is and how it works. Let her leaf through it, get a feel for its color, its shape, its size, its texture. If you don't have a sample yet, Go ahead and describe it and say that this is what it would look like. It's about this size and let your client use your imagination. You can still sell it, okay? And then once you've kind of gone through this is what it would look like and all that good stuff, that's when you show your printed copy of your price list. If one of the collections suits your client's needs perfectly, your client is just going to opt in and go to that one. And you can proceed to populate her order. So you're going to grab your love pile of, of images and you're going to get to work making the biggest choices first. So any albums or wall galleries, any giant prints, those are going to be the first decisions you want your client to make because they're harder. And then any gift print decisions are going to be made later. If it doesn't go as planned and this whole grand collection presentation only prompts your client to kind of make tweaks and swaps, not to choose a collection, I want you to listen carefully to what she's trying to create. Okay, so, so don't be frustrated. It just means she doesn't want a collection. No big deal. Is she trying to reduce the number of gift prints? 
Is she trying to get two albums and no prints? Is she trying to create a wall gallery on her own, or is she trying to design something special for her husband's office or her spare bedroom? Listen to what she is trying to create. Okay? This brings us to lie number four, which is if you don't sell a portrait collection, you might as well forget the sale. The reality is it ain't over till it's over, baby. So if we're not in collection land, I want you to ask questions that will help you sell exactly what your client dreams of buying, okay? So she probably knows what she wants. She has something in her head. Unfortunately, you do not have ESP. You are not a Jedi with super-duper mind tricks. So you're going to have to get her to articulate what she wants so that you know what she wants too, okay? So these are super simple questions you can ask that will help you move toward that place. They're the same thing asked a bunch of different ways to help you get clarity. If the first question works and she gives a very precise, clear answer, I want you to move on and tell her that thing. If it takes all four answers to get her to a place where you think you know what she wants, that's okay. Just, just be patient and hear her out. Okay? So the four questions are, did you hire me to create a specific product? Tell me about it. Next, picture yourself one year from this session. What do you have in your home? How are you using it? Third, do you tend to prefer albums or wall prints when you see them in other people's homes? And last, if none of those works yet, do you like bigger prints or smaller prints better and why? Okay? Those are super simple questions that will help her. They're not, but they're not yes or no. So they will help your client to articulate, I like this and maybe this and sort of this, but not that, but kind of, but that's what you need. That's the feedback that's like, oh, you're trying to create an 8 by 8 session album. Is this what you want? Yes. That's all we're doing is asking questions, listening to what she wants, and then making sure that she gets what she wants. So lots of sales tactics that I've heard or that I know about involve like your goal is to sell this and then let's focus on selling this and does it matter if the client wants it no and what I am encouraging you to do what I have found to be incredibly helpful is to say what is it that you want or need and let me help you create it I don't feel skeevy when I help you create what you want you don't feel skeevy because I'm helping you create exactly what you want and nobody's trying to jam you into a box to get an average sales number Okay, so that comes back to our work being more meaningful because we're, we're putting our clients' needs first. Okay, so those questions that we've asked, which I will run through really briefly again. Did you hire me to create a specific product? Tell me about it. Picture yourself one year from this session. What do you have in your home? How are you using it? Do you tend to prefer albums or wall prints when you see them in other people's homes? Do you like bigger prints or smaller prints better, and why? Those questions are going to yield answers. So your question asking and your super Sherlock Holmes-style note-taking have resulted in knowing whether your client wants an album or a series of wall prints, which we will call a gallery. Okay. If it, if it results in she doesn't want either of those, she just wants gift prints, hang on, we're going to get there. But let's assume that this is going well 
or better than gift prints, and she wants something that's a higher ticket item. Okay. If she wants an album, I want you to remind her of the sample album that she has viewed or the sample album you've described. I want you to mention its price one more time before she agrees to buy it. And then once she's on board with purchasing an album, tell her how many images she's going to have to select. So are we just using images from the love pile? Are we using all the images? Is she choosing the images? Let her know what she needs to do next. And then make finishing touch choices like your paper finish or your cover material. If there are any of those choices that you let your clients have, those, this is the time to make the choices. And write it down. If the album is priced too high for your client's taste, I don't want you to offer a discount ever. I want you to start eliminating spreads. So if you are like, okay, well, this includes 10, or I'm sorry, this includes 20, let's make this have 10 spreads instead. Or this includes 20 images, let's make it include 10. That's one option. If you can make the size smaller. So we start by showing in 12 by 12 album, and then we move to 8 by 8. I want you to make your, to show her less expensive products instead of reducing. And if you only have one album size, and it's take it or leave it, then that's okay. I don't want you to reduce it. If, it's a, if we're at a leave it place, then we're going to move to gift prints, okay, which I'm going to get to in a second. But let's say she wants a gallery. Okay, so that was an album. A gallery. In my mind, a gallery is super simple. It doesn't have to be like eight prints and seven custom frame things and two canvases. It can be super simple. If you don't have any gallery templates and you don't want to buy any, which you don't need to do, I want you to think of three 11 by 14s, okay? So I want you to take her like pile, or her love pile, I'm sorry, take her love pile and be like, these three prints would look great beside each other. Here's what I would do. I would take these three vertical images, make each one an 11 by 14 canvas, and display them either horizontally or vertically, like a top, middle, bottom versus a left, middle, right, okay? So that was super simple. You took the lead and said, I would make 311 by 14 canvases, blah, blah, blah. Okay. If you're more comfortable selling a higher-end product, I would say, I would make 316 by 20 canvases, blah, blah, and blah. Okay. All you're doing is offering a suggestion because she might want a wall gallery, but does she know, can she see it in her head? Probably not because you do this all the time and she doesn't. Okay. So literally just taking three images from the like pile, arranging them in an order that she would be seeing from left to right, and then suggesting something, and then listening and saying, oh, 16 by 20 is too big. Okay, let's try 11 by 14. Oh, I don't like canvas. Okay, how do wall prints look for you? How would that look? Great. Would we like to change the order? Just move it around. Okay? So... You want to be sure that you're making appropriate size choices. So I don't want you to start by selling three 30 by 40s. I want you to start with three 11 by 14s. Threes always look good together. If you feel super comfortable selling higher, 16 by 20s or 20 by 30s, if you're feeling like, oh, I just want to try this out, then go for selling three 11 by 14s. And that's it. Okay? If you're all into samples and templates and all that good stuff, then you can pre-populate those and show her exactly what she's going to get. I'm just giving you the option if you don't have those things. Okay? If she's like, ah, I don't know about this gallery thing, I want you to run some simple single image options past her. Okay? So like a 24 by 36 canvas of her absolute favorite image. And she's like, 
okay, that's cool, but that's a little big for the space that I'm thinking. Like, okay, cool. How about we move to a 20 by 30? How does that feel? So that you're making it all about her and what she needs and what's going in her house and how is that going to feel? And is that right? Is that close? Is that we're taking price out of this? Because I don't care how much it is until the point where we've decided on what we need. So, like, it's the same thing as if I'm shopping and I don't like that dress over there, I don't care how much it costs because I just don't like it. So whether it's $6 or $6,000, I don't like it. Okay? At the point in which you've made a decision or you're closer to making a decision, that's when we're going to mention price. Okay, 311 by 14 canvases, that's going to ring in for blah, blah, blah dollars. Okay? And she will either say, like, great, sign me up, or there'll be a, like, eh. and that's when it's either, that's when you want to start making your adjustments and your tweaks. You can go from canvas to wall prints. You can go from, uh, or from canvas to wall prints, from wall prints to, you know, just flat prints that aren't mounted, whatever it is to come down in what you're offering, but not to come down in price. Never discount. Okay? What if we are in the terrible place where our client does not want a collection, does not want an album, does not want a gallery, they just want gift prints? Okay? That is okay. Here's why. If your client isn't interested in anything else you've got to offer, your biggest issue with this problem at this time, I'm sorry, your biggest issue at this time is you because you're all like, oh, my God, I failed. But you didn't. Think about it. If your gift prints cost 40 bucks and you sell 15 of them to a client and nothing else, you are still walking away with a $600 sale. A $600 sale is A-okay in my book, and here's how we're going to rock it out. Okay. You're going to let your client know that you're almost done. That's really important so that she can see the end. It's like this is the light at the end of the tunnel. We're selling gift prints. Okay. And you're going to ask if she needs to order any small prints. I say ask if she needs to order any small prints because she probably owes her mom or dad a print of some kind. Moms and dads always want prints of their kids, whether their kids are 8 or 38. For my 30th birthday party, I gave my mom an album from the party for Christmas. And she was in it, and Matt was in it, and Hermione was in it. And it, it was amazing. She loved it because... Moms always want pictures of their kids, even if their kids are 30 and are not giving them the much lusted for grandbabies, okay? So you ask her what she needs, and it's entirely possible that she's going to just rattle off a list a mile long. Like, I need blah, 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 blah. Grab your order notes. Write them down. Make sure that all those needs are taken care of. Okay. That would be ideal to just have a client give a list of a list of a list of a list. Fantastic. If, however, you hear crickets, like, do you need any gift prints? There's a whole set of questions that we can ask to get her thinking of where smaller prints go and how she might need more than she thinks she needs. Okay? So here's our handy-dandy question list. A 5 by 7 print for a desk at home. Do you need any prints for your desk? A 5 by 7 print for a desk at the office. Could the office use a print or two? A print for mom, dad, grandma, or grandpa. So, oh, any prints to mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, or the in-laws? And that question is almost always a yes. Like, 
your mother-in-law wants some kind of picture from you every time that you come to a session. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Eight by 10 prints use as gifts. So any birthdays or anniversaries you need photos for coming up, um, the holidays are coming up, you wanna take care of some gifts right now? Super simple, super soft. If the answer is no, there's no pushing, no big deal, we're just moving on. Small prints to update prints that are already in frames throughout the house. This is especially helpful if you're in the client's house. Do any frames need updated prints? which is really just code speak for um, that frame holding that marching band picture from 1998 could really use a fresh image. But you're saying it in a nice way that's like, hey, do you need to update any prints? And the answer is more likely to be nice, which is yes. And then this is a good one, is prints to fill any empty frames that are currently in the basement, attic, storage, facility, kids' rooms, whatever. Do you have any empty frames that need photos? Because people will be like, oh, my gosh, yes. They gave me, like, my sister-in-law gave me this picture frame, and I just can't find a photo. To, so can you do it? The answer is, like, yes, I can. I will take care of your gift prints for you. No problem. Okay? So, that was a lot of talking. Okay. That was exactly what to do, what you need, what to do, and how to sell collections, portrait products and gift prints in person on the cheap with about 20 bucks an hour of time and a little bit of prep work. Whew. This brings us to lie number five of the Drowning in Lies series, which is you can't sell in person without taking tons of sales training, attending conferences, and watching those DVDs of photographers selling in their million-dollar studios. And the reality is 20 bucks, a little prep work, an hour with your client are all you need to sell portraits effectively. Okay, so today we've covered the how of sales for free. I gave you the how. If you find yourself wanting more details of the how plus the why of in-person sales, like why did I do it that way? Where did that order come from? Why did that make sense? And how do I overcome objections and people saying no and all that good stuff? Then you'll probably dig sales without shame, which is, I have created Sales Without Shame, the photographer's step-by-step -step guide to soaring income and super-satisfied clients to walk you through the sales process I outlined today in much greater detail. Okay, so planning, prepping, presenting, proofing, and payment are covered. The order forms are made. The Cliff Note style sales breakdowns are included. And the mindsets that will help you become a master of portrait sales are broken down in Sales Without Shame. Bada-bing, bada-boom. It also covers objection handling, which is any time a client says, no, uh-uh, no way, yikes, you're too expensive, or any combination thereof. The nitty-gritty of exactly what to say to clients in less than comfortable sales situations is totally covered because kicking someone in the shins is just not an acceptable response. Okay? I just want you to know this product is launching on May 30th, and by virtue of being smart enough to sign up for this call, you've already entered to win one of five advanced copies of Sales Without Shame. Whew, there we go, okay? So this is very much, you can go out, use this information, rock it, change your business, get over your fears, learn to sell without shame, no problem, run with everything I've taught you today. And if you're like, holy crap, that worked, tell me more then you're probably interested in sales without shame. Okay, before we get to questions, I am giving you full permission to take a Facebook break. 
I know you probably are itching to have your browser or your app open anyway, so I would love to hear one thing that you are excited to learn on this call. You can do it now. You can do it anytime you need a break from Q&A in the coming minutes. Just head on over to facebook.com slash brandcamp and post on my wall. Hey, you woodchuck, stop chucking my wood. Post on my wall. Um, that also goes for the peeps that are listening to this later in the recording. I want you to come on over and post at facebook.com slash brandcamp because I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. <sighs> we have lots of questions that people uh, had put in beforehand for me. I've gone through those because I knew uh, what I was going to be talking about. And if, it, if your question wasn't particularly relevant um, for what I was going to be covering, I declined the question. It's nothing personal. It's just a matter of I wanted to stay really targeted with what I was focusing on today. Okay? And the fantastic how Nani is going to uh, to say what she uh, liked about all of that talking I just did. Boom. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> well, aloha, everyone. So I'm going to start you off while Kristen's uh, going through the questions with the mantra, because I think that it's just so important every time you walk into a sales session that you need to just have your head in that right place. I am enough, I have enough, and I am in charge. If there's any one thing that I got from this particular 45-minute session was you notice how Kristen really focused on the work being so meaningful that you are always trying to meet the client's needs first. That is so paramount. And you know how everyone likes to help other people out? So if you've just helped put your head in that place where you are helping your client, all those butterflies in your stomach will go away. So for me, the thing that I took away, the main takeaway was meeting your client's needs first, and the money does follow. Kristen, are you ready with your first question? I am. I love it. Um, I am. So this is from Kelly from Richmond uh, before we had our Q&A. And she said, how the heck do I hold an at-home sales consultation? I want to move from Internet slideshows, but I am scared shitless. And I hope that I have answered your questions. I really hope that um, that you are all set in terms of making sure that that's a super-duper simple process for you. And if you have any questions now because you're listening, go for it, dude. Um, Kelly from Winnipeg, Manitoba, at least I think that's what MB stands for, said, hold on, I'm going to unmute how money so she doesn't have to worry about making any noise. Okay. Uh, I started out by including a CD of images with the session fee. I now want to sell my prints and digital collections separately from my session fee. I'm not sure how to do this without alienating current clients. How would I like to know about this transition? Thanks very much. Okay, so this would be like way back in the beginning when I was like, ah, if you sell the CD for $100, you're going to sell it in person or under the sea or over the sea or on a ship or on a plane. It's always going to be a $100 sale. So it's the same thing is that it's a natural step to move from um, prints and digital collections separate from your session fee. That's a really smart idea to do. Um, I think you're probably going to end up alienating your current clients, and that's going to be okay. If not, 
um, if you're not raising prices, you're just separating out, like, let's, I'm going to make this up. Let's say that your flat fee was $300. So now we're going to make our session fee $100 and our CD $200. Um, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good because your total sale will still be $300 because your CD is capping the sale. So what I would do is separate out your session fee from everything else. And then just let them know that there have been some changes, and this is to serve everybody better, because I'm sure it is. And then let them know exactly when the change is happening, if you want to keep them. Or if you're like, dude, you know, I think they've served their purpose, but I want to move to a different market, then you just change it, and you, you are in no way required to let them know. Here's why. Steve Jobs did not personally consult everybody when he changed the price of the iPad or when he released a new one or went, like, it wasn't like, hey, just want to let you know there's a new one coming out. And no, because if he had, I would have known that the iPad was coming out with the new one before I bought the old one, and my current iPad is now worth about 42 cents and a bag of jelly beans, and it was $700 last year, okay? So it's that same, like, you don't owe it to anyone to let them know that you're changing prices. If you want to let them know, that's cool. I would just send them an email letting them know. I would not, in your case, give them a chance to hop on the, if you just want to lock in my old prices, just do this right now. I wouldn't do that for them because um, it'll suddenly bombard you with a lot of work that isn't the clients that you want to be working with currently. Cool. Done. i got to press the done button. Next question. And this is a long one uh, from Laura Jane in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Hello, PA. Shout out. Uh, when I started my business, I did in-person sales basically because I couldn't afford any of the selling websites. I was giving people a DVD slideshow set to music with all of their images so that they had seen them before the order session and had an idea of what they wanted. But now I'm thinking that they might that might um, has been not such a good idea. Most people just ordered a few five by sevens, and some people never scheduled their ordering appointment. Okay, so she wants to know what she's doing wrong in the past with that in-person ordering session. Okay, here's what you did wrong: you gave all the people that booked you all of their session images for free. Because if I hire you, like I am very good at being like the dick client and telling you exactly what I would do if I was going to be the dick client. Here's what I would do. I'd be like, yeah, I hire you. I get my free slideshow. And then I'm like, oops, I don't need to schedule an ordering appointment because I got my free slideshow. Like, awesome. Free is the best price point ever if I'm looking to take advantage of you. And so the free slideshow just lets people take advantage of you. So if you started to use the sales without shame type of method, I would say print the four by sixes. And you can still go through all the process that we just did. If the slideshows like light you up and it gives you great joy to make them, I would either let the clients pay for them or give them as a bonus with purchase. So like when you spend blah, blah, your happy place amount of dollars, then the slideshow is included for free. So you can still give them the slideshow, but I would never encourage you to give them something that is gorgeous and beautiful and fantastic and includes all of their images for free up front ever because I wouldn't show up to the ordering appointment either. I already got my, like, killer freebie. Um, does that make sense? And then to get people to show up for their ordering appointments because you had said that some people never even scheduled their ordering appointments, um, you just make it mandatory so that they don't, they simply do not get to see their ordering appointment 
without, or I'm sorry, they simply do not get to see their session images without an ordering appointment. Does that make sense? So if they want to see their images at all, all 15 to 35 magnificent images, they must attend an ordering appointment. It's, um, that's covered in the book, but it's super simple to just include that in your contract and build it in as a value add. It's not like, ah, it's a pain in the ass. It's like, you get to hang out with me, and I am dedicating this time to you to help you make exactly the decisions you need to make, because we all know that you don't want to make the decisions, and I acknowledge that, but as long as I'm here to help, I'm happy to help you make the decision. If Emeril Lagasse was here to, tell, to help me decide what to make for dinner tonight and then show me how to make it, you can be damn sure that I'm going to be making dinner tonight and it's going to be awesome versus me just being like, I don't know, I'm going to check for something. What's in the refrigerator again? All right, we're, we're going to order pizza now. You know what I mean? It's that same thing. It's that people don't necessarily like to make decisions, but our goal is to help them make decisions so that they get to the place where they get to enjoy the products that come as a result. That was a lot of rambling. Thank you, Laura Jane. Okay. Uh, Stacy from Virginia Beach says, most people don't want to order right then. They want to, quote, unquote, talk to their husband first and, quote, unquote, think about it a little more. How do you get around this? I have to do most of the ordering sessions during the day when the husbands can't be there. That's a really tough love for you, Stacy. If those are the type of women that you're typically working with, then they need to have their husbands present. And that means that your ordering sessions have to take place at a time that's convenient for your client. That means, let's, let's think of some scenarios that can work, though. Um, let's say that you have one Saturday that's ordering Saturday, and you just have, like, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and that's your ordering Saturday. And you're hanging out at the Starbucks all day. They come in, you sell them, they go out. They come in, they sell them, they go out. It means you're drinking a lot of lattes, but it also means that you have a dedicated day to be like, sale, 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 boom, and it's taken care of, and they understand that their husbands have to be present. So... You can also just ask the women. Um, I was in the habit of doing this because I often worked with women that had husbands that were trapped. They're high-powered executives. They're traveling all the time. They're literally home for 48 hours a week. So I couldn't make the husbands be there. It would have required way too much effort. So I was like, does your husband have to be present for you to make a decision? And usually they would laugh at me like, no. They're like, all right, then great. We're going to set up an appointment for this time, and that's great. If you just point blank ask that question, does your husband have to be present for you to make a decision? They will tell you the honest answer. If the answer is yes, then you want to work around that. And if the answer is no, then you can have it on Tuesday afternoons all the live long day. Okay? And the think about it a little more question is actually totally covered in sales without shame, and it's just too damn good to share right now. But I promise it's covered. Uh, Abby Wilkes in the UK says, how to increase the average sales order, how to upsell without the selling bits. Is better projection better? How to deal with small rooms? If so, large monitor, how many products do you carry with you? So many questions. Um, this was made beforehand. So uh, having, if you've heard, obviously, if you um, are, are listening and then you're like, projection, I can do this with 4 by 6 yeah. But I will say that increasing the average sales order is simply a function of listening to exactly what the client needs or wants. Um, I think when I was working at Motophoto, the average sale was like really pushing it to get to $79, and I got the average sale to 
triple, quadruple, something like that. And it was by virtue of I didn't care about how much they bought. I cared that they got exactly what they needed by the time they left. And that meant that some of my sales were piss poor. Some of my sales were like big old fat zero, like they took their feet by 10 and ran. And some of them were just killer, and it averaged out. Does that make sense? So I would say the best way to increase your average sale order is to really pay attention to what is being offered or to what your client is trying to create, to why your client hired you, to ask those really probing questions, and then to go ahead and create that with them. And then to make sure that, of course, you're like, are, are all your other bases covered? Is there another room in your house that you're thinking of a wall gallery for? Would you like a repeat of the album we just created to give to grandma? Are there any gift prints you need? You certainly want to ask those questions that will increase your sale. But if you're focused on them, like totally just go for it and love them and listen to them and help them create what they want. And don't worry about all the software that goes with it, and you'll be in a much better place to kick ass. Thank you, Abby. D from Clinton MS, which I believe to be Missouri, but sadly may be mistaken because I am geographically not so fantastic, is questioning, what if it's a boudoir shoot? Do you still print them out for them? Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. I would still go for 15 to 30. So any portrait session, I would still go for 15 to 35 images. I would print them out, and then I would let them go ahead and make those same choices. If... I mean, obviously, if it's a mom, I would I would say, like, please don't bring your kids because that's just awkward. But otherwise, I would totally print them out and do exactly what we just did. No question. No problem. Okay. Thank you, Dee. Lindy from Memphis says, for a wedding, instead of four by six prints, do you think it would be appropriate to go through the like and love sorting process in Lightroom on a computer or TV screen? I will say, A, I wrote 20 pages about this for weddings. Um, so it's not a simple answer, but B, think about this. When you're showing an image, um, when you're showing those images for the first time, a wedding, like a really low estimate of what you're going to be delivering for a wedding right now is 500 images. Asking your clients to make 500 choices is going to make want to make them poke their eyes out with sticks. It's just too much. So would I do this like and love process with all the images? new, under no circumstances. Would I do it with my top 50 images, the ones that I absolutely freaking love? Yeah, I totally would. And I would still print those out so they get to hold them and be like, what do you like, what do you love? But that whole sales process is completely different for weddings, and I really want to stick to portraits today. So I'm going to say, stay tuned. You're going to love what's in sales without shame. I don't want to be silly, but I also don't want to get derailed. I'm sorry, Lindsay. So Char in Meyerstown, Pennsylvania says, when in the booking process do you show the client the entire price list? Okay, so here's how I would do it. Number one, when uh, on, your, uh, on your website, there should be some indicator of about how much a person is going to be spending. Okay doesn't have to be like, you're going to spend $400, bitch. It can just be the average person sells or the average person purchases about blah, blah, uh, worth of photography and services and products, something to that effect. 
And that way they know if they're in your ballpark and they're playing your game or not. Does that make sense? That's the first thing. The second thing is that when they inquire about you and they ask for a full price list, I don't want you to just send them a price list. That's they, what they're really asking is to tell you, tell them more about you, okay? So if I'm like, hey, how much is your price list? That might be what I'm asking, but I'm probably like, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do? So at that point, I would call. I would give them a good rundown of what's shaken, get a good feel for whether you're a good fit or not, and then say, and then explain the pricing after you've explained everything else about it. So if I go to um, why you don't lead with price, Google that shiz on the Brandcamp blog, and that is a very good example using hookers of why you do not lead with price, why you explain exactly what's going to happen, and then tell them the price list. Okay? So we have a vague idea on the website. It's delivered very specifically when you're calling and talking to them. And then um, you're going to follow up with the full price list via PDF. Because we don't want to hide that in any way, shape, or form, but we don't want that to be what we lead with. And then I make no bones about just having the price list out and on the table when we start to talk about collections. So if a client is with me and that we've just gone through our 35 4x6s, it's absolutely fantastic to go through those without any prices because whether you like that image or not has no bearing on the prices. And then once it's like, okay, we love these, then we start to look at prices. We say those prices out loud. We reiterate those prices again and again. We do not attempt to ever hide any pricing from anyone ever. But we do present our pricing in a way that's smart. Does that make sense? Thank you, Char. Amy Nito, who I love in Portland, says, what would you do with the 4x6 love slash like prints after the ordering session? Oh, my God. I might just have to tell you because I love you so much. Amy Nico. Ugh. Here it is. This is genius. This is my genius moment. I wasn't going to tell you. Here it is. Those 4 by 6 prints, the last thing on earth that you want to do is give them away for free, which will be your instinct, okay? Because I want you to look at the average price of a 4 by 6 print. It's somewhere between $20 and $40, $50, $60, whatever it is, and then multiply that by how many images are there, so 20. So if your 4 by 6s are $20 and you have 20 of them, that's worth $400. We do not give away $400 things without lots of money changing hands. Does that make sense? So here's what I would do. In your head, Amy Nito, take your price point, whatever it is. It's like it's your magical price point. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go home, do a dance, hug my dog, and then head out and party. Okay? So it's not your average sale. It's higher than your average sale. It's aspirational. Okay? So let's say that the – place where you do a super duper duper mega happy dance is $900. If your client spends $900 or above, now those proof sets, that proof set is free, and that goes home with them today. That is what we call a killer incentive, people. So if they say, well, I really want to just buy the proof set, that's great. We've just calculated that that's $400, so you can, they can buy it. God bless them. That's one option. But the better option, doesn't it sound so much better to be like, if you spend $900, then you get the proof set for free. 
And again, that was a completely arbitrary number. It's your happy place number. So if you're currently making $100 sales and it's your goal to get to making $300 sales, then the proof set is free at $300. And if you're making $2,000 sales and your goal is to get to $2,700 sales, then your price point is $2,700. And that's when the proof set's free. So in my mind, you want to go ahead and use this as your four by sixes, your proof set is your bonus. It's super duper. And you want to bring um, ribbon and a little box to put them in, and it's their gift with purchase when they hit your desired price point. Of course, in hitting your desired price point, they're also paying for. So it's not like, oh, let me just confirm that, and I'll make a decision later and call you, but I'll take the proof set home right now. No, 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 no. That's like shooting yourself in the foot and the face simultaneously. No. If they get to take the proof set home, money has changed hands. And actually quite a bit of money in your world, whatever that is, your happy place, has changed hands. Okay? So the 4 by 6 like love prints, are a killer incentive to get people spending exactly like you want them to. Cool? Thank you, Amy. Okay. Stuart Cooper in Hampshire, UK. Holy crap, UK. Go England, says. If you already have ProSelect and a projector, would you recommend using that setup or would you recommend using prints? Dude, if you already have ProSelect and Elector and the projector, rock it out. That's my rock it out sound. Go for it. Um, do not give up your very expensive equipment because it can be super helpful and super productive and absolutely fabulous. I would still follow this same order, though, in terms of I want you to present exactly what you want your clients to buy, um, or you want to show them your images, like your love, get that down, and then present your collections, and then figure out do they want a wall gallery, do they want an album if they don't want a collection, and then hit the gift prints, take notes as you go, and tell them what they want to buy. So same process with much bigger, happier gear. So do you have to do you have to ditch this and use prints? No way, dude. That's awesome. Just just rock what you got. Thank you, Stuart. Okay, I'm now reading a question. So NS in Grand Junction says, should prints in an online gallery cost the same or more? Are online galleries still a good idea for family and friends, etc.? Okay, I recommend having one price for your prints regardless of where they're finding them, because it sucks to be the person that's like well, in the store, it was this much, and online, it's this much. Like, that just feels shady no matter what, whether that's a dress or a pair of pants or a bottle of whiskey. I don't care. I want it to be the same across the board. Um, I would simply recommend not using online gallery. Unless, and here's the caveat, are online galleries still a good idea for family and friends, et cetera? They can be, certainly. Um is that they are less work to maintain. If you are not in any way interested in getting a sale, if you just want to make your mom happy by putting print by putting stuff into the gallery, then go for it, totally. Um, what I don't want is for you to think like, oh my God, my online galleries are going to magically make me money because I upload things and hope for sales. Um, I want you to be a little bit more proactive about sales, and that was the purpose of this call. Thank you, Jen. I'm going to... Um, so I'm going to make Hanani talk a little bit more about something awesome while I read the next set of questions. So Hanani, hit it. What's resonating with you? Well, I was just wondering why we haven't gotten any questions about how to handle objections. So people, if you're out there wondering, why aren't you asking those questions? 
Oh, objections are literally um, a way that a customer is thinking, well, it's when people raise objections, they're really saying something else, not actually the words that they've used. So when an objection is raised, you really want to probe even further. Are you ready again, Kristen? Yeah, we got so many questions. I love it. Okay, cool. I'm going to hit them rapid fire. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm going to mute Hanani again. You're getting sound effects now. That means we're on our roll. Uh, Jen from West Des Moines, Iowa says, what do you do with the 4x6 proofs after the sales session? I might have missed it when I ran to the bathroom. I love you for running to the bathroom because I want to do that too. Um, <laughs> the 4x6 proofs are your, with Amy Nito, man, she's awesome, but she let the cat out of the bag. They are your sales incentive to get to the place where, hey, if you spend blah, blah, happy place, amount of dollars, so I don't want to judge and just throw out numbers arbitrarily, whatever your happy place number is that's like, oh, my God, I die, this number is so fantastic, then that is the place at which your clients earn free 4 by 6 proof, and they get to take them home that day at the ordering appointment after you swipe their credit card or taken their check. Okay, um, so that's the incentive. So in my mind, okay, I'm selling crap to Amy Nico, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're so great. You're so fabulous. And she's like, okay, I'm going to spend $300. I'm like, um, my uh, happy place is currently $900. So I'm not going to give her those proofs. It's like, that's cool. You can buy them. Um if, however, I'm selling to Amy Nito and she's like, hell yes, I'm in for $3,000, and she's way past the happy place that I've defined for myself. And I'm like, here you go. Let me get my super-duper ribbon and my super-duper box, wrap these up, tie them with a bow, swipe your credit card, and send you on your merry way happier than you've been in a long time. Done. Thank you, Jen. Uh, there was a follow-up question that made sense. Um, oh. It was, Jen, do you leave the proof prints with the clients to keep? And that was, yes, if they have hit your happy place. Otherwise, no, never, ever, 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 ever. And here's why. I want you to play this out with me. So I am now one of the dick clients. You know them. Picture them in your head. Okay, I'm a dick client. Here I come. I'm like, hi, Jen. Hi, how's it going? And you're like, great. I'm going to show you all my stuff. Isn't it great? And I'm like, yeah. I just really need to tell, talk to my husband. So can I just take these home with me, and then I'm going to get you a decision right away. And you're like, yeah, totally. Go for it, dude. Here's what's going to happen. I get home, and I remember that I'm a dick. and like attracts like, so my husband's going to be a dick, too. And he's going to be like, shit, you know what just happened? You just got all the prints from the session for free. And they're not going to return your phone calls. They're not going to return your emails. They're going to not ever talk to you again because they just got all the session images for free. They can scan them if they want. They can give them to grandma if they want. They can post them on Facebook if they want. They just got the whole session for free. That is why we never, ever, 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 and I'm a total hard ass about this, give the proof prints away until the credit card is in place and they've hit your happy place. Those proof prints are valuable, and they're a really good sales incentive. I just don't want you to use them the wrong way. Cool? I'm imagining you saying cool. Cool. Okay, Jen, thank you. Um, next question. Danielle in Okinawa, Japan. Holy crap, Okinawa, Japan, you're awesome. How long after the session do you recommend holding the proofing party? 
When do you set the appointment? At the initial consultation, at the session, or once you know proofs are ready? Okay, so how long after the session do you recommend? It's however long you can deliver on. So if you turn things around like, boom, in, you know, 48 hours, I would say a week. And if you're like, you know, I get really behind and, yeah, then okay, give yourself longer. But I want you to set the proofing appointment at the same time that you set the session appointment. So whenever you set the session appointment, here's how it goes. Uh, we're going to set your portrait appointment. It's great. Okay, it's going to be next Tuesday. Okay, great. And then about two weeks after that, we're going to need – I'm really excited to show you your prints, and I'm just going to have to have another appointment with you, so let's pick that date too. Does that make sense? It's super simple. It's built right into your process, and I would take it one step further and build it right into your contract so that it's this and this, and you do not get to see your session images in full until you come to the ordering appointment. Because once you make that mandatory and they don't get to see their images unless they do this, they will do it. Cool? Thank you, Danielle. And open now, up. Yeah, that just makes me ridiculously happy, you international people. Thank you. Uh, Jack in Columbus says, do you have collection suggestions? I do not because it has been done way better than I could ever do it by Alicia Kane in Easy as Pie. And that is served-up-fresh.com. Easiest pie is the answer, the all, the end all, the end. Boom shakalaka. Thank you, Jack. Okay. Uh, Siri in Traverse City, Michigan says, how do you handle clients who ask if they can order later once grandma slash auntie slash whomever picks their favorite? Okay. This one is super simple because in my mind, they've, they've already purchased a collection and they are just filling out the gift prints. So let's say that your collection includes a session album and 10 gift prints. And all we want to know is which gift print grandma wants. That's cool. I'm just going to take your – I'm going to go ahead and swipe your credit card for the collection today, and then you're going to go ahead and get back to me and let me know which one grandma likes. And that is when you can say, A, I'll put this online for you, no problem, um, or B, if they earn the proof set, just grab your proof set, show grandma, and let me know. On the numbers on the back are what you're going to use to let me know. Okay? So I would totally let that loose string just kind of dangle, swipe their credit card anyway, and proceed as if it didn't exist. And then be sure and take care of them, of course, when they let you know what it is. But I wouldn't let that one detail hold up the whole sale. I think that Siri's bringing up a freaking genius point, which is that if you let – if every single detail has to be covered before you swipe their credit card – it's going to be a lot harder versus, like, there's a mom and she's there and she's like, I just need to, you know, I think I'm 90% sure and I just need to confirm. Okay, great. How about we do a half down for your deposit? I'm going to go ahead and swipe that. I'm going to go ahead and hold your order and you're going to let me know within 48 hours. And if what I've swiped on your credit card is my happy place or more, then I'm also going to give you your proof set to take home for your husband to see. Does that make sense? So assume that these decisions are locked in, barring some sort of catastrophe, and go ahead and swipe the credit card anyway. And that's just confidence. That is, you are enough, you have enough, and you're in charge. That's all that is. That's the difference between making the sale and not making the sale, is just being willing to swipe it. Done. Okay? Siri also said, I have many out-of-town clients. What do you suggest? Here's what I suggest that you, um, I want you to put them online at a specific time. So I'm gonna, I want you to treat this whole ordering appointment just as you would if you were meeting with them in person, okay? So you upload your gallery, 
and then you say, okay, at 2 o'clock on Thursday, just like you would if you were meeting in person, I'm going to go ahead and give you your gallery link, and then I'm going to call and we're going to talk about it on the phone. And you're going to do exactly what you just did. You're going to sort the images for them, and you're going to do it just like we talked about, except that you're going to be over the phone. And the same thing is it's going to be a little bit trickier to get that proof session incentive, and I realize that. But you can also say, you can make up a different incentive. It doesn't have to be the proof set. Maybe it's a digital image or two that you'll email them right after they place their order and swipe their credit card. I want you to come up with an incentive that gets them to make the decision while they're on the phone with you. Whatever it is that is valuable to your clients that will allow them to have some kind of instant gratification. And I want you to treat that appointment just as you would an appointment if you were had to travel to their house to show them their portrait, their portraits. And you'll have the same kind of results, which is they're expected to make a decision between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock on Tuesday. They will make a decision between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock on Tuesday. Okay. Thank you, Siri. Okay. Kathy in Dayton, Ohio says, what about order sessions for weddings when you have so many more images to show? That is a fantastic question, and unfortunately, this is designed Today's talk was designed to work for um, portraits just because getting into weddings is a whole other can of worms slash bottle of bath. So I'm going to not answer the question because it's just, it's just too much. I'm sorry, Kathy. Uh, Michelle, in Morristown, New Jersey, said, do you offer the 4 by 6s to the client for a price at the end if they want them? Absolutely. If they are not, so let's say that I'm like, that I am like the cheeky cheeky client and I come in and I'm like, I just want to buy the, the, the proof set. I'm like, okay. The proof set is not a set price. It is, there are 15 images times I charge X per image equals this. There are 30 images and I charge X per 4 by 6 and the price is this. It's, there is no discount. There is no reward for buying the proof set. Okay? So if you have 32 prints, and you are selling them for $30 a piece, then you're going to go ahead and charge whatever the price of that would be, $960. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? That's so expensive. And you're going to be like, exactly, because I don't want you to buy the proof set. I want you to buy this other amazing stuff that I have, and I want you to earn the proof set by hitting my happy spot, which is blah, 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 and then you get to take this home for free. So it makes a killer incentive. It's not as good as just like, hey, buy some 4 by 6s because that doesn't get anybody terribly excited. Does that make sense? Thank you, Michelle. Okay, we are good, we are good. Jack in Columbus says, do you ask for full payment or a deposit at order time? Do you send an invoice afterwards? Do you charge a credit card processing fee? Really clear answers here. Do you ask for full payment or a deposit at order time? Totally depends on how much it is. If we're talking about $400 being full payment, then I'm taking full payment. If uh, we're talking about $1,000, then I, then I will totally take a deposit. Um, I wouldn't offer that unless they ask for it. So if you're like, it's $1,000, and they're like, here's my credit card, then don't you, there's no need to back it up and be like, well, I'll just do half now. Like, forget it. Take the whole thing. Um, do I send an invoice afterwards? Never. Never, ever, 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 ever. I have never sent an invoice in my life. I call you up, I swipe your credit card, I say, thank you, have a great day, we giggle a little bit, or Hanani calls and swipes your credit card, giggles a little bit, and that's it. Done. Do I charge a credit card processing fee? No. Using credit cards is the cost of doing business, and you build that right into your prices. 
it's just I don't ever advocate nickeling and diming. So it's like, okay, that's $1,000, and then your $43 credit card processing fee, like, no. Then that should have just been a $1,100 order, and it was built right in. Does that make sense? Thank you, Jack. We're cool. Uh, Jessica Powell in Louisville says, do you think it is necessary to offer collections? I used to offer them but did away with it because it was never what the client wanted. Is it necessary? No. Is it easier to sell? Yes, if you do it right. Um, but is it necessary? No. Like if you, so what I want you to think of is, is let's assume, Jessica, that you are enough, you have enough, and you're in charge. So you are enough, which means like you're ready to rock this. You have enough. That means your current pricing is going to work, provided that you are not selling the CD every single time for very cheap. And that you're in charge, which means like you can just give me a finger and be like, collections, they are not necessary. They can be fantastic and they can make it easier to choose. But if that's not your experience, when I would go out there and rock what you got and forget about what I said. Cool? Thank you, Jessica. Okay. How do they, Sabrina in Columbus says, how do they pay at the coffee shop? Bring laptops for PayPal or do you accept the dreaded check? When do you present the price list again? Thanks. Um, how do they pay at the coffee shop? Uh, you can bring your laptop for PayPal. You can also use the PayPal app on your smartphone. I am kind of prejudiced in that I assume everyone has a smartphone like that. Um, you can use PayPal. You can use the little, the happy little, what is it called, square that just attaches to your phone. That's like swipe and swipe. Um, you can take their credit card information down and you can type it in manually later, say that you're going to burn it slash whatever it, it's not a problem. Um, do I accept the dreaded check? Hell yes, because there's no credit card fees on that. And if you're cashing a $2,000 check, then you're saving a lot of money. Um, and if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't cash, then I don't place the order. It's that simple. Like, I would never, I, whatever you're doing, just make sure that the payment has gone through before you're placing an order. You're not out any money, and you're good to go. You're going to present your price list. Uh, so she asked, when do you present the price list again? Uh, you're going to have an inkling of it on your website, not a full download. When you call, that is call, to talk about uh, how everything works and whether you're a good fit and pricing, uh, you're going to allude to it. You're going to give baseline kinds of things. You're going to say that, don't worry, I'm going to take care of everything. And I'm also going to send you a full price list that you can look over via email and get their email address. So there are no surprises. And then when you get to the session, you're going to go through your like and your love. And then you're going to go ahead and say, like, oh, my God. Um, you're not going to say, oh, my God, at all, or OMG or anything like that. Never mind. You're going to go like or love. And then you're going to come through and say, um, that these are the collections, and there's going to be prices there. And you're just going to point out, this is this, this is what you get, this is this, this is what you get, this is this, this is what you get. So I found it um, super simple to have three collections, what is included in the price for each collection, and then that's a starting point. So instead of being like, oh, my God, we have this and this and this and this and this and this, be like, here are three options. I'm going to look at, let you look at them see if any of those fit for you. And if they don't, then I'm going to listen to what we're trying to make so we can make that happen. Does that make sense? So again, it's going to come down to listening and to showing off what you have to offer. And then if it's not exactly right, tweak it to get the client what they want. Cool? Sabrina in Columbus says, when should you do your edits? Should you show images before just so client can show their fave or they pick proofs at the coffee shop and then edit or just 
edit, I'll then do the sales session. Um, I can tell you what I did that might be helpful for you. Um, I decided when I had my photography business, and remember, do not crucify me. I currently write books and ghostwrite books, and this was begged and pleaded. This information was literally begged, pleaded, and tortured out of me, okay? So I'm not speaking from a place of do what I do. I'm speaking from a place of when I did this, this is what I did. I would upload all of my images uh, to my computer, pick my best, my favorites. It was always between 15 and 35, and it was usually closer to 15, to be honest. I'm a really tough edit. And I would upload them to Colorado, and they would take care of those initial edits uh, to get everything raw color corrected, and then they ran some magical Photoshop action juice on top. And then I would download those as JPEGs. So I would have perfectly exposed JPEGs to work with. And if there was anything really glaring, like let's say that we have a kid in winter and their face is snotting, I would fix it. If it wasn't super-duper glaring, I would let it be. I know that you're, um, you're always going to want perfection, but perfection is not always the best thing for your business when it comes to your time. So I would do minimal edits um, or let someone else do minimal edits for me and then do the absolute bare minimum of retouching, print those out, and then let it be. If your client is super picky, like, oh, my God, this and this and this and this and this and this and this needs retouching, that's great. And you just remind them of your fee for that. But, okay, retouching is either A, included, if you're high-end, or B, retouching rings in at blah, 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 per 15 minutes, and I estimate this will take about blah, blah minutes. Does that make sense? So I don't want you to just give a blanket, like, I'll retouch anything ever because that just invites people to kind of take advantage of you versus like the first 15 minutes are free and then you're going to start paying blah, blah, and blah. Does that make sense? So edits, totally do them, Colorado, ta-da. That was Sabrina. Thank you. Um, Barbara in Vancouver says, what if they ask why I do not give them the four by six? Because I don't have a nice way to say this. So you need to, to, Listen to what I'm saying and then come up with your own nice way to say it. You have shot the session. You have edited the session. You have shown up at Starbucks. You have had 200 calories. You have tried to show them everything that you've done. You have uh, presented everything to them in a logical fashion. You've tried to help them present to create the prints and products that, you, that they love. The last thing on earth that you owe them is free shit. That's just the way it is. Like there is no circumstance in the world where everything that you have done for them also requires for you to give them free shit. So I am perfectly happy with saying that that is that it is a reward for spending at a certain level. I think that's a great comeback. And that otherwise, are they going to go in the trash? Yeah. And you have them? No, because you can buy them for blah, blah dollars but you cannot have them. So this is like if I walk into Target and I'm like, okay, well, I just, I, like, I really want um, those jeans. And they're like, no. And I'm like, no, but you need to give them to me because why don't you give them to me? Like, well, why would you? Why would I expect Target to give me jeans? It's the same type of thing, and that's the kind of thinking that you need to have in your business because I know that you're working with people one-on-one -on -one and it's a lot harder to do that, to have that kind of Target mentality but this is totally a case, Barbara, where it's like, mm -mm, why do you not get them? Because they are a reward for spending. 
that you are happy to give and because they just are not there for sale. They're, a sa- they're for sale. They're not free. They're not freebies. So you, they can buy them outright or they can earn a reward. That's all. It's that simple. I was trying to use my nice goggles, and I just don't have them for this because I know clients will ask. It's a fair question. But the answer is just like, no, because I said so. Damn it, you know? So that is that. Thank you, Barbara. Okay. Sarah in Amherst says, how about this objection? I just can't spend 3000 on pictures. I can't imagine spending more more than $300. We're just not big pictures on the wall people, and we don't really like books. Okay, great. So if you have about $300, what would fit in your home that you would absolutely love to have? So you don't like big pictures on the wall, you don't like books, and you're probably looking at gift prints. So let's look at these. We have a 4 by 6 a 5 by 7 an 8 by 10 and they cost this much. How do you see yourself using these? And then you go through your gift print questions. So if they are very clear that they simply cannot imagine spending more than $300, they don't like pictures on the wall, they don't like books, it sounds like they don't like much of what you do, and I'm not sure why they hired you, but that's okay, then that's when it's instead of, like, instead of taking offense or taking it personally, if, if we're assuming they're just being factual, then okay, that is a gift print out the wazoo sale that's happening right there. And we go through our gift print questions, we make sure that their needs are taken care of, and we show them smaller items, like maybe we have accordion albums, maybe we have um, press printed kinds of announcements and cards and things like that, and we make the most of what they do like, which is smaller prints from you. Cool? Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Lyndon in Raleigh says, do you collect the full order amount at the ordering session or half upon order, half upon delivery? Um, Here's my quick take on that. I would take the full amount at the ordering session if it is your happy place or less. So let's say that your happy place is $900. If it's an $800 order, we take it all up front. Let's say that your happy place is... um, $900 and we're making a $1,200 order, I will take half now and half uh, in 30 days. But I would never, ever wait until delivery to get the second half of the money. I have all of the money before you get your product. This is just a comment. I mean, it's just a good business practice. So I would never be like, oh, yeah, here's the check and here's your stuff. Because if the check bounces, well, you already have your stuff. So no matter what you choose, and this is totally a you're in charge, I don't care how you do it. I just want to make sure you get all your money. I would never, ever <laughs> deliver uh, custom products to a client before they have paid me. I would make sure that I have the money, the check is cleared, and their gorgeous, beautiful items that you're delivering are now there fully and completely and without reservation. Because once they have the items, you have no recourse to um, to get the money from them, and they, even if you repossess them, so to speak, they don't mean anything to you. It's still a sunk cost, and it's an album full of other people's kids, which you don't particularly you know, want. Is that cool? Thank you, Lyndon. The questions are still rolling in. Thank you so much for asking questions. I'm still going really fast. Uh, Jessica Powell says, what if you don't print the proof set? I have a large projector and screen. Still print them anyway? 
uh, you don't have to. If you already if you're in the already have a projector and a screen boat, I want you to come up with an incentive that is still friggin' awesome that they can get at your price point that makes you happy. So let's say that that price point is $1,600. So all we want is an incentive that is like when you place your order today and it's $1,600 or more, then you get blah, something super de duper and not something huge, not like the CD, because I know that's easy to give. Um, maybe they get a $100 gift certificate to your favorite restaurant. Maybe you've worked out a deal. Maybe they get a canvas. Maybe they get, so they get some kind of something huge that rewards them for spending huge. And that can be something that you work out with a partner business, or that can be something that you do just for you. Does that make sense? Um, like an 11 by 14 or a 16 by 20 or whatever it is, um, it's an incentive. And actually, in Sales Without Shame, I handle uh, improvised incentives, which I am a I will kill it if I can have an improvised incentive, which is you completely customize something for them on the spot that will get them to hit that happy place price point. And I just can't break down that whole system in the, you know, eight minutes we have left. Um, but the answer is an incentive that's super awesome. You don't have to print the proof set if you already have a large projector and a screen. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, Ashley says, my business partner and I are having the hardest time pricing our photography design and event planning services. We feel our prices are reasonable, but also fear the fact that we could be viewed as expensive. How do we justify our prices so that we're charging what we're worth as small business owners while continuing to grow our little biz? So here's the deal. When I read that, I felt a lot of fear. Like, what, we fear the fact that we could be viewed as expensive. Who gives a shit if somebody says you're expensive? Because if people don't value what, you're do, what you do, they're going to say you're expensive no matter what. For example, a Louis Vuitton thing could be sitting in the room next to me, and it could be $4, and I would still say it's expensive because I value it at $0. It means nothing to me. So expensive is literally all relative, and you need to stand in the ground where you are A-OK, rocking and charging exactly what you're worth, to be a profitable small business. So I don't want that, that fear of being called expensive. It's like, so what? Um, it is very real, and I understand it. I don't want to minimize it. I do want to come back to the fact that you are enough, you have enough, and you're in charge. And if you're in charge, that means that you're collectively making the best decisions that will keep your business sustainable for the long term. I also, I also see that you have photography design and event planning. I would prioritize which one you would like to grow because growing three businesses simultaneously is a really hard road to hoe. Cool? So that fear of, feel, of being expensive is like my mom couldn't believe that I was selling gift prints for $65. Because I would never pay that. Guess what, Mom? A, thanks for the little confidence, and B, you're not my client. You just, you're not. I mean, I grew up dirt poor, and so $65 is a lot of money to my mom, and there's just no way she would spend that ever, no matter how awesome it was. She wouldn't give herself that permission. That, however, is her deal, not mine. You know what I mean? Like, it's all just, oh, all right, that's cool. Um, and that's that. Okay. Um, Amy 
says, okay, so let's hear about how to deal with specific objections building this so far. Thanks, Kristen. Unfortunately, that is not a specific objection, so I can't overcome it. But it is fun. Erin says, will this class be archived to re-listen to? Totally. On the event page, you can um, download it and listen to it at any time. And um, actually, lots of the things that I read were excerpts from Sales Without Shame and on or around and possibly before. April 30th, I will have all of those super de duper de um, compiled and edited for you so that you will have an accompaniment via text to go with this recording. So yeah, I realize it's a lot of information and you can totally re-listen to it from the event page on, from Instant Teleseminar. Cool. Uh, John in Charlotte, North Carolina says, my wife shoots boudoir and everyone buys an album. Apart from adding pages to the album, do you have any suggestions for add-ons? Do I have any suggestions for add-ons? It's tricky, Boudoir, because, uh, holy crap, it's hard to sell wall galleries, right? Uh, a couple of things. You could pre-design the album much larger than they typically buy, which I know you said apart from adding pages to the album. But if you pre-design it at 40, it's really hard to get it to 20. So your your sale could be significantly increased there. And then um, any kind of like I see like a like a super secret something. So a like a super secret swipe file or zip file full of the digital images that that kind of like goes on a key ring and is super secret for the ladies' lover. You know what I'm saying? Um, I see that there's some kind of – so you're selling something to the female, and that's an album, and that's great. But I would also sell something to her uh, to her spouse or significant other or, you know, partner um, that is access to those files in a way that's, like, secret and kind of James Bondy. That would be my – my initial hit on that would be that. Thank you. Susan in Des Moines says, tell me why you don't send an invoice, because I always send a receipt. An invoice means you owe me money. And I never send that because I've already sent your credit card. So I send a receipt because you've already paid me. And that's just a simple uh, – Hanani and I had had that in practice for years. We never send invoices. It's very simple that somebody has called you on the phone, taken your credit card information, and it sends you a copy of what we've what has just transacted via a receipt. It's just proactive versus being reactive. That's all. Um, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with an invoice. It just means that I need to be dead sure that you're committed, that your credit card is swiped, and that we are rocking and rolling in order to take those next steps. Because the last thing I want is to assume that you're going to pay your session fee, and then you don't, and then we've wasted my time by having to move forward, assuming that it's going to happen, and it doesn't. Cool. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Kelly had the same question. <laughs> Apparently, I struck a nerve. Why don't you send invoices? Do you quite leave with a sales receipt? Uh, a couple of things. Depending on your credit card system, it can be super simple to just swipe and uh, email a receipt. I've had people do that when they use the little square doodad that attaches to your iPhone. Like, just give me your email address and I'll send a receipt. That's no problem. Um, again, it's just a reflection of the way that I do business, which is I send receipts and not invoices. If, if we are talking or we are working together, you have already paid me. That's just who I am. I have very clear boundaries around that. Um, I'm happy to do things for free if I choose to do it, but if you are going to be paying me, then you're going to be paying me, and that's kind of how I work. Cool? Cool. Thank you, Kelly. 
Amy says, what do you do if the check bounces and you've already sent them home with the bonus proof set? Holy crap, you don't trust your clients. Um, I've never had a check bounce from a high-end client. If you're in the place where you're afraid that might happen, I just wouldn't take checks. I guess if that's an honest concern, and it is obviously because you asked, then just don't take checks. It's just credit cards, they swipe. You have to have evidence um, of the and, – and you can tell them they're also welcome to pay in cash because you know that that's also there, so it's either cash or charge. You can do that as well. But if you're really afraid of check bouncing and, and that's the kind of clientele that you currently have, I just wouldn't take checks. Super simple. Uh, Jack again from Columbus. If I'm shooting digitally, do you recommend proofing in both color and black and white? Hell to the N-O, no. Here is why. Um, let's say that you have 30 images. That's 30 decisions your client has to make. Proof them in both color and black and white. You've just doubled the number of decisions that your client has to make. And you've just decreased your sale by virtue of they, so they there's only it's been scientifically proven there's only so much kind of decision making juice that you have in your day, and when you kind of run out of juice, you just don't want to make any decisions anymore. Like you're just done. And what the last thing I want to do is use up that decision making juice on something like color or black and white. I want them to use their decision making juice on big ticket items, on things that are going to make an impact and on things that will actually help you to move through your sales session, not way back in color or black and white. Cool? Uh, Barbara in Vancouver says, what do you think of using tablets for in-person sales? I think it's a great gig if you can get it, but I also would challenge you to say, F your iPad, get yourself some 4x6 prints, and go and rock the shit out of it. Because the iPad can easily be a distraction from the human-to-human -human interaction that needs to take place. And when you're selling those wall galleries and those types of things, if you, if you say, okay, we're going to sell 311 by 14s, I'm going to take these photos and put them next to each other. If you have 4x6s, that's really easy to do. You can manipulate them. You can move them around. It's no problem. If you have a tablet, uh, it's also the same for the like and love pile. If we're using a tablet, we're not, now we're not making piles or we have to buy an app to make piles or a program to make piles and we're not – there's something about the physical, tangible process of holding a print in your hands that is just fundamentally different from software. So I would challenge you to go out there and try this, like, super stripped-down, ultra-basic, I know it seems so simple, it's ridiculous, go out and try it, build your sales skills, and if you see a way that the tablet could really serve you and help you to make better sales and make better recommendations for your clients, that's when you kind of layer it into the rest. Cool? Okay. Um, John from Charlotte says, I signed in late. Sorry. Would you mind recapping your gift print questions? I would not. I just have to find them. So hold on a second here. Those are the last things that we went through. And again, these are the questions that are like, she only wants gift prints, okay? We're going to switch it up and say, she only wants gift prints. Awesome, because we're going to sell her 15 of them. Watch this. Okay, so you're going to ask your client if she needs to order any small prints. And I say needs here, because she probably owes mom or dad or somebody, some of them, okay? Um, if she has a list, that's cool. We're just going to write them down, like, okay, yeah, great. You need all these things, cool. If not, you hear crickets, we're going to ask, uh, do you need a five by do you need any prints for your desk? Could your office use a print or two? 
Do you owe any prints to mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, or your in-laws? Just general close family members, if anybody owed anything. Mother-in-laws are specifically the ones that always think they're owed something. Uh, any birthdays or anniversaries you need photos for coming up? They make great gifts. Uh, the holidays will be here before you know it. You want to take care of some gifts right now. And that works from August to December as like, oh, you just sold a bunch of Christmas cards. No problem. Uh, any frames need updated prints? So just like in their minds, ask them to picture the frames that are in their house. Is there anything that's super outdated or super or that's empty? Because some people do that thing where they put up the five by seven frame and then doesn't have anything in it. It's like a placeholder that they're going to get to someday. So it's a specific question to ask about that. And do you have any empty frames that need photos? So like in the basement, in the attic, in storage, anything like that. Cool. Those are your gift print magical questions. Uh, Karen in Phoenix has asked, if clients are interested in the digital images rather than the prints, would you hand out the product um, the same or handle the process the same? My clients seem to all want the digital image. To encourage them to purchase prints from me, I've been considering offering a digital image with print purchase. Thoughts? Bad idea, and here's why. It's your digital image, unless, oh, sorry, okay, yeah, my gut is that's a bad idea. A digital image is worth, what, $150? If you're giving that away with a print purchase, are your prints $150? I doubt it. Um, the thing is that a print is one, and a digital image is infinite. So now I can take that, I'm going to put it on Facebook, I'm going to put it on my Match.com profile, uh I'm going to email it to somebody, and then I'm going to put it in my digital picture frame, and then I'm going to print one or two of it for come Christmas. A digital image has a great deal more value than a print when you think about how many times it can be used and repeated. So would I give a digital image with a print purchase? No. Would I give a print with a digital image purchase? Yeah. Does that make sense? Um and the, their clients also all seem to want the digital image. Absolutely, that's going to keep happening to you until the CD is the highest price thing that you offer. Because they, your clients want to get the most bang for their buck, and digital offers the most bang for their buck. So if you're at a place where prints are, let's say, $40, and your CD is $300, they're like, well, I can get, like, not very many prints, or the whole CD for $300, I'm going to take the CD. So it might seem like, yeah, totally, yeah, all my clients want the digital images. And what they really want is to get the most bang for their buck because that's what everybody wants. You know what I'm saying? So I would reexamine that kind of thinking because I think there's something in there that is like sell prints and make the digital images premium and it will work out better for your sales process. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Victoria says she tuned in a little late. She apologizes if this has already been addressed, but will recording be provided? Totally. Yes, ma'am. Done and done. Uh, regarding incentives when not using the 4x6, the girl with the projector, Nicole in Alabama says, I know another photographer that prints an 11 by 14 or 16 by 20 and brings it as an incentive. Um, you can totally do that. It's tricky because I don't want you to invest too much money. Like printing an 11 by 14 or 16 by 20 is not cheap. And it can also provide a lot of pressure that is kind of unnecessary and kind of makes me feel icky. So like if somebody shows up with a 16 by 20, I'm going to feel obligated to buy that. And I don't like making people obligated to buy anything. Um, 
But a digital image could be really great as an incentive, just a single one UNO digital image, because it means I can just email it to you right after the session. You still get your instant gratification, but you also uh, were also hitting the right price point that I wanted with my projector and uh, my uh, and my software. Goodness. Cool. Uh, no, it doesn't make sense, so I'm going to skip that question. Uh, Lyndon, again, says, do you build taxes in your pricing or collect taxes on top of the total order? Talk A, talk to your accountant, um, but I would not build taxes into my pricing. I always want that to be a line item that's super clear to my clients. Like, this is the price, and this is what you would add on top of it, instead of just it's all built right in, it's just one price. It makes it easier for your I imagine it makes it easier for your accountant as well, and they always appreciate easier <laughs> um, because they're accountants, and we put them through so much. Oh, poor thing. Cool. Okay, we are all out of questions, and I feel like I have talked for ages. So, again, the recording will be all da -da -da -da, ready for you on the event page, which is pretty much where you logged in. And I would love if you would take a Facebook break and let me know what you think of all this stuff of Facebook. So it's facebook.com slash brand camp. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Lots of people are saying stuff, and I love you all for it. Um, thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. Please don't hesitate to let me know how this is going for you. Um, this is a lot of information. I want you to listen to the recording again. No problem. Um, but go out, try it, and let me know how it's working. And you can contact me via BrandCampOnline at gmail.com, which, again, BrandCampOnline at gmail.com. You can send me a Facebook message at facebook.com slash BrandCamp. Uh, you can even call me. Oh, my God. I will not answer, but I will listen to your voicemail because I do not answer my phone ever at 215-206-3689. Um, and if it's super duper, I will call you back, actually. I just won't actually answer the first time because I'm a total introvert and I get freaked out about answering the phone, which is why Hanani made all the calls in my business. You know that. That's fine. Um, so, again, lots of ways to contact me. I am happy to hear your feedback. I really hope this helps you. I really hope this helps you get over your fear of selling because it can be super simple, super gratifying, and super helpful for your clients, for your business, and for you. And I can't wait to hear from all of you. Please, please, please let me know how you're doing. Thank you so much for attending, and I'm going to uh, peace out, Girl Scout, you all off the call by, uh, by dropping you all. So have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need 
in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.